Welcome, Cat Fam and friends of Crusader Athletics. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. Our guest list is a little shorter than normal today, but that just means that we'll be spending some more quality time with them. Two guests, 60 minutes. First, we talk some women's tennis with head coach Lynn Winters. We talk about recent graduate Mackenzie Archibald, as well as what is to be expected in the fall from the Crusaders. After a quick break, we bring in from the class of 1977, Hall of Fame volleyball player and women's athletics trailblazer at Capitol, Lee Austin. Lee paints the picture of female athletics at Capitol and across the USA in a pivotal time in this country's history, and even shares the parallel between ministry and coaching. So stick around because Forward Capital Crusaders is moving, well, forward. Before we begin today's program, you may have seen on social media, but the Capital Athletics family in Crusader baseball lost one of its own recently. Tyler Joseph Setnarowski, or T-Set as he was affectionately known as on campus, at age 26 passed away due to a tragic motorcycle accident on June 7th. Tyler was a proud 2012 graduate of St. Vincent St. Mary High School before embarking on his collegiate career. Although Tyler was active in many sports, he absolutely loved baseball. Starting at age five, most of his life revolved around the game and Tyler made so many great friends as a result. Tyler continued his education and love of baseball at Shawnee State, but quickly reversed course and made Capital his home, where he played baseball for four years, contributing all around the diamond, the plate, and in the locker room in a very successful collegiate career. After graduating from Capital in 2017, Tyler began his professional career as a salesman for Pepco Electric. Those who knew Tyler, even just a little bit, were better for having him in their lives. Tyler was strong in his faith, had a great work ethic, was a loyal friend, and loved his family with all of his heart. He was born on January 3, 1994 to Ted and Betsy Setnarowski, and the brother to current Capital Volleyball player Regina Setnarowski. We'll cherish all the memories Tyler left behind here at Capitol and mourn with his baseball brethren, his family, friends, and loved ones. From Capitol University and the Athletics Department, our prayers for strength and healing are with all of you. Welcome, everybody, into this week's Coach's Spotlight, and today we are going back to the tennis courts, except this time we're going to be talking about the women's tennis team at Capital University, and to do so, we brought in head coach Lynn Winters to speak with us on Forward Capital Crusaders. So, Coach, uh, you know, you've taken some time. Uh, you've recently welcomed a new family member into the world, a, a new grandbaby, I, I suppose. Tell us about your new addition. Oh, hi, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me, and thanks for all the great work you do at Capital too. Uh, on uh, just about a month ago, my daughter, Cassie, and her husband um, had a little girl, Audrey Lynn, and right now she is just adorable, sweet as can be, and she has an older brother. He's two and a half. His name is Henry, and he absolutely adores her, so I've been able to have lots of snuggles and hugs and kisses with both of them. So it's just been, it's just been a joy. And they used to live in uh, Boston or in um, Brooklyn, New York, and moved here about a year, almost a year and a half ago now. 
So I'm so happy that they are here and that we have the opportunity to spoil these little grandbabies. So very exciting. Well, and good timing considering what we're going through. And we're certainly glad that now with everything starting to loosen up, you get to have that grandparent time. And uh, so good for you. And I hope that you enjoy that. And so we're, we're in, like I said, we're in a weird time in which we're kind of, you know, in a normal world, we'd be wrapping up nationals and therefore asking more questions uh, as far as a recap of the season. Yet uh, it feels like so much time has passed that we need to ask more about the future. So we're going to do both here, actually. Uh, the spring season obviously didn't happen, but you did have one senior, Mackenzie Archbold. You know, she wrapped up her career. Uh, you've known Mackenzie for a few years now. What can you tell us about Mackenzie and her career? Yes, Miss Mackenzie, uh, I felt so bad for her because in the fall, she was in a car accident and rehabbed her way all through the fall for our fall season and was only able to get into the very, very last match. And she was working really hard to get into that. So she had been working really hard, working out and physical therapy and doing everything to get ready for the spring season. And then, uh, you know, then COVID-19 happened. And um, in the meantime, she also has a wedding planned for the end of June. And that has been rescheduled till, I think not till August now. So um, she, she's a, she's just a, great great person she is always smiling and she's full of energy and she's just very very positive and she's taken all these bumps in the road uh very well i know she's very sad about not having an opportunity to play her senior year and once um once everybody can get together we'll have a celebration with her but she's a um pre physician's assistant and exercise science major and she also has a minor in psychology she's was on she's a very busy busy person she was a social media chair for jacob's porch she was also our captain and she was a leader just not on the court but off the court she was always organizing bonding opportunities for the girls and helping with um, scheduling and charts and different things we always did and always looking ahead. She is um, going into, I think she's going to be a, right now she's an EMT and she works for a critical care transport service. And then she's going to continue after that and start paramedic school. And she, um, she just has many, many, many talents. And she was a great tennis player where she played singles and doubles. So she played court one doubles um, quite often with our number one player, Madison. But she could reverse from singles to doubles without any problems. And um, she always kept uh, her opponent guessing, you know, where her shot would be. And, she did a, she just did a nice job for us and we will miss her tremendously next year. So um, we're so proud of her and all the work that. And certainly 
we want to wish Mackenzie the best of luck and all of that. We're hoping that we don't see her at work because that's probably not a good thing for us on the other end, but wish her the best in all of her endeavors. And the good thing, I guess, is that she is the only senior. So much of the roster, in theory, should be returning. And that kind of pushes us into the preview portion of this interview. And I guess let's go down the roster. We start with two-time all-conference selection, Madison Watt, who you alluded to earlier. What makes her special and strong on the court? Madison also is a is a great young lady. She plays our court one singles and doubles. Um, she's just very talented. She's very smart on the court. She also has consistent strokes. And Madison can play one point for a long time. Uh, her endurance is amazing. She's also ran her first half marathon last year. She works out continually. So she's in tip-top shape. And um, she's very skilled at her strokes. And she just never runs when she's out there no matter how she could play three four hours and she can overpower her opponent with um she's got a great baseline shot and she is just a joy to have on the team and she works really hard in the off season um, right now all the tennis courts and they're pretty well closed but she lives um in Wapakoneta. she went to Wapakoneta and i coached there and also um her dad they're out playing all the time. So usually in smaller towns, they don't have or they have more courts available than what we do here right now in Columbus. So uh, I know she works. She's, she's out there working and getting ready for the fall season. Now, one of your players, too, Karen Kanky, I mean, she's a really cool story and an even better person that we really should be talking about a little bit more. I mean, Karen's a non-traditional student and that she has a lot more life experience than the rest of the team. How did she come to Capital and what kind of unique experience does she bring to the table? Well, Karen has a really unique um, story. After raising a family and she was a stay-at-home mom, and she homeschooled her two sons all the way from grade school, all the way through high school. And she always had a for playing tennis. She took lots of lessons at Scarborough. She played in a lot of leagues. She was captain of a lot of their leagues. And then uh, she would bring her son, Timothy, the guitar lessons to Capitol. They went once a week for like a year. And she just kind of fell in love with the campus and just being there waiting for him when he was uh, at guitar lessons. And she also has uh, a father-in-law and mother-in-law that graduated from Capitol. So she knew um, a little bit about Capitol, but she just liked the warmth of the campus, of the people there. So she decided that she did not want to go to an online school. She wanted to have the, the full college experience. Um, so she wanted to have four years on campus and get involved in as much as she could possibly get to um, since she started out so much later in life. So she, um, she is full of life and full of love and walking down the halls at Capitol with her, people are always yelling, Mama Karen, hey, hi. And she just uh, loves everything about Capitol. She, she loves being, um, she just loves being a part of everything. And as a tennis player, Karen has a, Karen's a very good player. She has a very deadly serve. She serves a lot of aces. Uh, she surprises her, surprises her opponents with those aces quite often. 
She also has a great spin, so she can mix up her game really well. And um, she's a great sport on and off the court. She's a really hard worker. And she um, also was a recipient of the Academic All-OAC Award, where she, she was a four-point student here um, this past uh, season. So she has given it 100%, and she never seems to run out of steam night so she has a lot of things that she juggles and she does it very well we're talking with lynn winters the head coach of women's tennis at capital university and like i said we we have a lot of returners and karen is is an excellent example of uh, one that we'll be looking forward to next fall hopefully who else might be someone that you need to have on the radar and you expect us to be talking about come fall coming in the fall um julia holt she's from camden um Hills region in Maine, and she's a, she'll be, she will be a senior nursing student. She'll be playing court. She has to juggle a lot with, um, with her extremely busy schedule with nursing, but she does it very well, and she has a very high GPA, and she's very committed. So she works very hard, and she's a leader, and so um, she already asked me, you know, what days... Uh, should she have her clinicals so it doesn't interfere with tennis? So it's very it's very hard senior year being a nurse or being in a nursing being a nursing student. So I know um, she will be managing both very well. So we'll be looking for good things to happen from Julia this coming fall. Very good. Now you know, let's kind of broaden out the. Uh, Broaden it out a little bit as far as our view on tennis. You know, when you look at the sport, what makes a good tennis player? Is there a particular set of skills, traits, or an intangible that you see that sets one person out from another? Well, generally, when I'm when I'm looking at the tennis players, I just look for consistent strokes, uh, great physical shape, um, smart, someone who can be calm under pressure and someone who has a desire to improve and get better continually. Very good. Well, that, uh, I think that the, the, the mental component certainly is, um, is a big one as well. Um, when you look at the Crusaders and who is returning for next year, um, let's talk about even the ones that are coming in the first years that you expect to be coming in. Um, who is going to be help you make an improvement next year? Are you talking about the incoming recruits coming in? Let me let me rephrase that one. That was on me. I kind of skipped around there. Um, you know, when you look at the returning Crusaders, okay. who do you think is going to have a big improvement from last year? To oh, this I see. Year? Okay. Let's see. Um, we have two freshmen that came in this year, Addison Hasselback and Aubrey Pletcher. And in the fall, they, from the fall until we were getting ready to start in the spring, they, both of them improved 100%. Addison, um, she's she'll be a sophomore this year. She's pre-med biology major, so um, they'll be balanced. She will be balancing out her schedule, but her mental toughness um, being present in the game is, is really something. Uh, 
And Aubrey Fletcher, who's also a nursing uh, major, she has uh, tremendously with her strokes and she has a lot of power uh, behind her ground strokes. So I think we'll be seeing a lot of good things from them. But we also had a newcomer join in February and she'll be a junior this year. She's gonna be an exercise science major. And her name is Kelly Wright Love. And um, she's a very consistent player. And I think we'll be a lot from her. One other player, Emma Price, she'll be a senior and she's gonna be a student teaching this year too. So she's trying to juggle her student teaching with tennis and all, but she's a very good sport. Uh, and she's just got a very unselfish um, attitude and plays, um, plays kind of loose on the court and um, she doesn't let things bother her. So it's hard to say who's going to break out. It depends how hard all these ladies work over this um, summer before we get to the fall to see who's going to be, uh, you know, one of our breakout players. And we look forward to all of those battles as well. You know, Lynn, before you got to Capitol, there were some uh, years in which the winds weren't coming in as steadily as we would all like. But since you've gotten here, the Crusaders and the women's tennis program have enjoyed a, a little bit more success over uh, the last three or four years. What do you exactly attribute that to? I think uh, I think the girls have bought into the girls, our team, they've all bought into the program and they're a nice group of ladies to work with. And I think all of, you know, our, our high academics are willing to do, um, you know, to play hard, study hard. And I think that the group themselves um, just, it's sort of an individual sport, but it's also a sport. So they work really hard to, to be the best they can be. So I think that all ties into to each other. We're talking with Lynn Winters, the head coach of the women's tennis team at Capital University, and it's going to be an exciting fall, that's for sure. But to get to know Lynn a little bit more, um, the name Winters might be a little familiar for Capital fans. You know, you've been coaching for a while, and your sons are also coaches. So what have you imparted upon them as a coach that has helped them with their coaching careers? Well, I think from my sons um, helping helping them with their coaching careers, we've always been a very athletic family, and I I started we started my husband and I started them very young in athletics. My husband is an ex basketball coach too uh, for twenty years, and I also used to coach them youth um, sports. Uh, when they were all young, about 10 years. And I think what we is them, teach them the game, teach them about unselfishness, teach them about leadership, and teach them um, how to be a good team player. And um, that's mainly what we instilled in them all these years. Now, sometimes learning's a two-way street. So have they taught you anything from their coaching backgrounds that maybe you picked up along the way? Well, we've always, we've always uh, 
shared a lot of articles and podcasts and coaching um, tidbits each other. So what, we all exercise and share share this and listen to these podcasts or read these different articles and stuff all the time. So we we share knowledge back and forth all the time like that. And um, we have a we have a text that is a group text that goes out all the time. So everybody reads something, they share the experience they have, or this is something, you know, coaching. So those types of things mainly. Now we've been kind of uh, vague on who they are. Of course, if you're a Capital fan, you remember Andy Winters, who was an assistant men's basketball coach that helped take the Crusaders on deep NCAA run a, a little bit more than a year ago. And of course, you have another son, Matt, who has now joined Andy in going to Otterbein to be the men's basketball coach there. That's why we were really hiding it all. We just didn't want to say the O word. But how cool was it when you were on staff at Capitol, Andy's on staff at Capitol, and both of you are having such great success? How does that rank as far as great life oh, that, experiences? That was the best. I coming in, seeing Andy in his office. His office was actually right next to mine. And spending time there with him and – having lunch and going to meetings with him and just sharing ideas. And it was just fun hanging out with him. So I bring him lunch or make him something uh, to bring in. His uh, basketball season was extremely busy. So he, and he was, he was very, very busy. And I know in between that he was also the girls uh, tennis uh, team strength and conditioning coach. And it was nice he got to know the tennis team ladies so well and share, you know, stories and back and forth. And they also liked him. So he really did a, a nice job uh, getting them ready for the season. Well, that had to have been an interesting dynamic, especially around the family supper table, especially if something doesn't go according <laughs> to plan. So, Lynn, we want to get to know you a little bit more, so we're going to put you on the hot seat. Like I said, we're talking with head coach of the women's tennis team at Capitol, Lynn Winters, and so we've got a lot of quick hitters for you to wrap up our coaching and program segments. So the first one is who has the nicest courts in Columbus? I would say Ohio State University um, on main, camp, main campus does. I got to spend some time there. I also coach high school now for 23 years, and I had an uh, opportunity to have a state uh, – champion from high school so we got to be down there quite often and that was nice for the casual tennis player what's the best free piece of advice i would say that tennis is a lifelong sport and have fun with it and start out small just hitting the ball you know in the service area just to get it over the net and keep moving back until you get your strokes down how did you get into tennis I, I got into tennis after high school. Um, when I was in high school, we did not have a tennis team. And so I played basketball and ran track. I was a cheerleader. And then I started playing at Olympic Indoor. And I started playing in lots of leagues. And then I started playing doubles with my mom, which was also very special for many years. And then I would be competing in tournaments and uh, won some championships. And then from there, uh, I started coaching high school tennis, and then my mom came over with me, my uh, assistant coach for a long time, too. Man, y'all really do keep coaching really tight to family, don't you? 
<laughs> so now I know you get to you coach a lot, and spare time is probably um, not really overflowing right now. But do you still get to play? And if so, where do you rank? Uh, the game? Generally, when I play, it's in the summertime, and um, my game would be oh gosh, ranked. It's hard to say where it would be ranked um, right now, actually. So um, I just you know I take a lot of um, clinics in the summer. or uh, on vacation, we always have um, go find tennis courts and usually hit with the pro or do things like that. So I, I'd have a hard time putting my put me in any category right now. Fair enough. Now I know that you said that you don't watch a ton of TV, but over the course of time, you got to have a favorite sports movie. If so, what is it? One of my one of my favorite sports movies is uh, Hoosiers. And with my husband being a former coach, my daughter was also a basketball coach, marathon runner, and um, different things. My, um, we, we all, when we're all together, we watched Hoosiers, and we even watched it so far back that we used to have VHSs of, Hoover, of Hoosiers. It's about, it's a basketball movie with Gene Hackman, and um, we uh, seem to have that on play a lot here. Now, are there any tennis movies? I'm not familiar with very many, if any at all, but uh, do you have any recommendations if there are some? You know what? I, I have a list of a couple that I want to watch here. Um, coming up is The Battle of the Sexes with Billie Jean King and Bobby Riggs. That's one of them that um, is on my to-watch list. So hopefully I'll, I'll get that summer and, and watch that. Good. Now, how about a favorite athlete? And uh, if it's not a favorite tennis player, who's your favorite tennis player? I'd say one of my favorite tennis players is Chrissy Everett. And uh, and now it's more um, Serena Williams. All right. Now, again, so you didn't watch a ton of TV, but uh, is there anything that you're binge watching right now? The only thing forward and watch um probably the most is uh, Seinfeld episodes. Not a lot of people that argue with <laughs> argue you on that one. So um, who do you believe is your mu uh, favorite musical artist or band or group? I would say that the Temptations, the Beatles, the Stones, Fleetwood Mac, those are some of my favorites. I'm living right there with you on The Temptations, one of my top five all-time favorites. So, <laughs> If you could meet any person in all of history, dead or alive, who would it be and why? I just got done reading this, uh, a book. It's called um, 33 Days to Greater Glory. It was by Father Michael Gailey, and it's on the Gospel of St. John. So I would probably say it would be uh, John the Baptist I would, I would like to meet. solid choice now if you have a piece of advice that you would like to pass on what's been the best that you've ever received that you'd like to pass on piece of advice would be what my parents always instilled in in us as a family and stuff is always uh, the healing power of love and forgiveness sounds good on that one and of course we have to wrap up with our last question being what is your favorite thing about capital my favorite things about capital is 
the wonderful feeling when you're there on campus that everybody cares for the students and it's such a warm and genuine place and so full of life that um, it's a pleasure to have the opportunity to work there. Excellent. Well, we appreciate you being here with us, leading our young women of the women's tennis team and, uh, and building them up so that they can have successful careers on the courts is also, and also professional careers wherever they may go. We've been talking with head coach Lynn Winters of the Capital University women's tennis team. Thank you, Lynn, for sharing some of your time with us. And uh, we hope and will hopefully be seeing you in the fall really, so really too. soon. I hope it all ends and that we're all back together here in the fall. So I appreciate you, Ryan, and thank you so much. All right. And once again, that's been Lynn Winters, head coach of the women's tennis team at Capital University. Keep it right here. After a short break, we'll bring you the next segment here on this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. We've reached the halfway point in this edition of Forward Capital Crusaders. Now's your chance to hit pause and head to the locker room if you need a huff. Just don't sub us out. If you're going to do any kind of subbing, make sure that you subscribe to the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast on whichever app you're listening to and turn on your notifications so you never miss an episode. Leave us a comment and a rating while you're at it. Please and thank you. It's now time for the second half of action of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Welcome, Cap fam, to our latest edition of the Alumni Spotlight on Forward Capital Crusaders. Today, we're taking a little bit farther of a look back into our archives than even we have information for. Uh, but we're going to fly a little blind, but we are going to fly boldly into this week's interview. And we welcome from the class of 1977-2001 Hall of Fame inductee from Capital Volleyball, Lee Austin. And, and Lee, first and foremost, thanks so much for making the time for us and and for what knowledge and memories you're about to share from your time at Capitol. We know that the atmosphere of Capitol athletics at that time, and especially for women's athletics, was so much different than it is today. And we hope that you can shed some light on those things during your time. But before we get into all of that, um, for those that may not know you as well, what can you tell us a little bit about yourself as far as you know what you called home before coming to Capitol and, and when you attended and what you studied? Well, I am glad to be here, Ryan, so thank you for the invitation. I was in a suburb outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, at the time at which uh, I was looking at going to college, I wanted to stay somewhat in the region, and so I began to investigate schools in Pennsylvania, Ohio, um, you know, Indiana, mostly regionally and discovered that there were a large number of small, uh, usually church-related schools in Ohio. Uh, the things that I was most interested in as I was looking to go to school was to have um, women's sports and physical education and law. Now, that may sound like an odd combination, but I wasn't certain when I graduated, what I might be doing. So I was keeping my options open. And as I looked at all those schools, um, my grandparents happened to be in Columbus. So I thought, capital sounds good. 
And then I discovered that there was a scholarship called the Trestle Memorial Scholarship, which was about as close to an athletic scholarship as, as girls, women could get in those days. And uh, it was combined sports and uh, academics. And I qualified, so capital was it. And what a combination. You got the law school, you've got the, the affiliation uh, with the Lutheran Seminary and then women's athletics. It seems like it was the perfect combo. And as far as athletics goes, it was a really interesting time in our country's history. I mean, Title IX, the bill that passed in a nutshell that prevented discrimination based on sex for educational programs at schools that receive federal funding. You know, that had only passed just a couple of years before you hit campus. So can you paint the picture of what athletics for females looked like or how they operated in the time that you were going through high school and getting into that college selection process? Absolutely. First, remember that the um, Title IX was passed in 72, but was really not applied to athletics until 75. And even after that, it was challenged, you know, before it became um, a, a, an established policy. I came from um, a suburban school in Western Pennsylvania and in uh, central Ohio, uh, where I was, an awful lot of CAP uh, folks were from smaller rural schools. And uh, as I came in, uh, for example, my high school graduating class was larger than Capitol's graduating class for me. So uh, a very different kind of culture. Uh, but as I came in for sports and was very you know, grateful for what we had, uh, the schools were really far behind, at least my experience in Western Pennsylvania. So one of the biggest changes that I saw was what happened in the high schools in Ohio uh, once Title IX you know, was enforced. It was a, a an incredible change. Um, when I came to Capitol, I began officiating with one of my teammates and so got into the high schools. And I was just shocked by how far behind they were. But by the time I graduated, and then as I began recruiting as a coach after I graduated, um, there was a, a a large change in, in both the quality of the players as well as the coaching. So I think uh, Title IX made all the difference um, for women's athletics, girls' athletics. Also, when I uh, began my time, the organization that handled women's athletics was called AIAW, the Association of Intercollegiate Athletics for Women. And that was our governing body, the NCAA was for the men and AIAW was for the women. We had a, a totally separate system. Um, there was no separation between large and small college. So just to give you a, a small idea of what it was like, we competed against Ohio State. And uh, as it happened, the year that I came in, I came in with a couple other outstanding uh, female athletes. And so between the three of us uh, and, and other quality folks that were already there and would come after us, uh, we did very well and even competed well against Ohio State. Although in the official games we lost, um, I think one of my proudest memories was a triples tournament in volleyball 
where we actually won. And it was over one of the teams from Ohio State. So it was very different um, at that time. When I was there, they did begin to go small college, large college. And so that's when we did not uh, compete against Ohio State. Uh, that, that was changed. Um, we had a lot of, once I began to be coach uh, and thinking, you know, along the lines of, of the organization of women's athletics, I discovered that there was a kind of a philosophical discussion going on. Uh, did the women want to remain separate? from the NCAA, did AIW want to stay separate from the NCAA? And a lot of that discussion centered around the question of scholarships. Uh, there was some feeling among uh, the women leaders that scholarships may have led to corruption. And so they wanted sort of the pure uh, spirit of athletics. So they, uh, they resisted, I think, for a while, but eventually, like, you know, other kinds of justice issues, separate but equal doesn't work. And so the, the eventual, you know, solution was to dissolve the AIAW and uh, to become one with the, the NC2A. Now, I could probably go down this history lesson with you for hours on end just to get a vibe, but uh, we'll have to save that for another time, Lee. But, you know, before we get into maybe your time at Capitol, can you give us an idea of what sports you played beyond volleyball, if there were any, and, and what made you kind of come to the sense that volleyball was the one that you wanted to focus on? Well, another history lesson, I think, Ryan, is that there wasn't a focus. If you had asked me what my favorite sport was, I would have told you the one that I'm playing. And one of my regrets for some of the girls, you know, who are growing up and women is there is now uh, very much uh, an emphasis on focus and on specializing, um, making a choice at a young age about what sport you want to continue to play in. So when I came in, and I mentioned, uh, you know, two other uh, women athletes, uh, Beth Klupfer-Rice and Lori uh, Fields-Rubicic, when we came in, we played everything. So we came in and played volleyball in the fall. We went straight to basketball after that, and then we went to softball in the spring. I continued to play volleyball and basketball all four years and played softball for three of those years. So was, was pretty much playing everything. The teams did fairly well um, at that time. Uh, I don't remember records. You had asked me about that. But I will tell you that in our senior year, we qualified to go to the regional tournament in Illinois in volleyball, and Capital hosted the regional tournament for basketball. Uh, so we did fairly well. We, we won some games, even at the regional level, but no, we did not, you know, win the tournament. Uh, and so we did not go on to the nationals. Uh, but yes, it was one of those um, environments where a lot of us really enjoyed playing in different sports. To me, that sounds like the collegiate dream, going from one sport right into the next. And uh, <laughs> so I kind of envy you even uh, from my perspective on that. So we're talking with 
Lee Austin, class of 1977, and a Hall of Fame class of 2001, kind of getting a vibe of what sports were like, not just in 1977, but for women in 1977. So we're going down memory lane right now. And Lee, was there a struggle in getting what you and your teammates wanted uh, or needed to play, at least by comparison to the men's teams at Capitol at that time? Well, like many things, it's a matter of perspective. For those of us that did not experience um, organized sport when we were young, uh, I mean, I was an oddball and I had to play with the boys if I wanted to play baseball or basketball. Um, I, I had to play actually at the Y with a bunch of men if I wanted to play volleyball. So there wasn't the opportunity. As a result, coming to Capitol, where there was some organization, some support, um, was a dream. So we were fairly content uh, at the time uh, because our expectations were not uh, where I think they are now. Uh, So we felt that there was adequate provision. Now, we had to provide uh, a lot of our own equipment. Uh, not the uniforms. Uh, We did not pay for travel. Uh, But let me give you kind of an amusing story, which I I dearly love. Uh, It was a memory of our going to the regional uh, volleyball tournament in, that would have been what, 76. And uh, because of the fact that it was not budgeted, we had to really work on a shoestring. And by the way, that's one thing that all women coaches learned was how to pinch pennies because we could get more, you know, with, with the dollars that we were given than I'll bet any of our male colleagues could have done. But the way that we went to the regional tournament, our uh, athletic director at the time, who was Lee Sadler, uh, had, for some reason, Capital had donated to, to our women's program an RV. And so we traveled in that RV. And then when we got to Illinois, we did stay in a hotel, but she had worked it out with the cafeteria to get all of the food that we would have eaten, you know, in the course of, you know, however many days we were gone. And then she cooked in the RV and on a grill outside the RV, all of our meals. So uh, it, it, this idea of a per diem, you know, to, to travel was nonsense. Um, but on the other hand, it forged a lot of memories and, and good memories uh, from that time. Man, RVs eating well, playing all year long. This sounds like not, uh, you know, not what I was expecting, but a very good time indeed. So I can understand why these are great memories to relive. Well, for for example, the let me give one other addition. Um, Capital had steak night, you know, once a week uh, when I was in school. And so she got the steaks. And I'll tell you what, they tasted a lot better off the grill than they ever did in the cafeteria. (laughs) <laughs> it's that special extra love that was given to him. It has to be. <laughs> so can you look back and, and kind of give us a landscape of women's athletics at Capital at the time? I know that you said you had played three sports all year round. Were those the three, the only three provided, or were there others that uh, other females were engaging in in that time? Well, I know there was tennis. 
because the other woman who came from the Pittsburgh area on the same scholarship I did was a tennis player. Uh, I was trying to remember if there was an organized field hockey program. I think there was. I think there was some sort of organized women's swimming. Uh, if not at the time, then it, it came on quickly thereafter. Um, I know that we dabbled in lacrosse briefly, but I don't think that that really um, was ever a, a formal organization. I think it was just a club for a brief time. Excellent. Now, when you said that it's a lot of a matter of perspective as far as seeing what you either do or do not have um, in your time at Capitol and playing in athletics, did you see that, especially with the introduction of Title IX and its implementation in 1975, that the gap started being bridged or that more provisions were being awarded to uh, female athletic teams? I believe there were. But a lot of the final changes, I think, took place after I left, even after I left coaching, uh, because once uh, Capital became an NC2A school, then I, I think that the comparisons and, and perhaps the push for equity, you know, happened a little bit more. Um, but I did see some changes. Um, Obviously, we were given, for example, to go to the regional, we were given some provisions so we could stay in a motel. Um, but, you know, there still was a lot of difference. Um, I would say I, we were fortunate in that the quality of our coaching was pretty good. Um, I know when I was playing volleyball, uh, we brought in uh, good coaches, but the coaches tended to be uh, part-time. I don't, I would bet that the uh, compensation that was given to coaches was not as good uh, for the women as for the men. And uh, so they, it's a little bit different, I think, since we now have um, coaches who are actually on the faculty. So there are just a lot of those kinds of, um, you know, we had good folks and, and very good folks, as a matter of fact. I, I don't want to downplay any of ours. It's just that uh, until we were established with faculty, with people who could get in on the conversation at the university level, then it was very hard to, to try and change some of the, the structure. Um, and since that's part of our conversation on a national level right now, what do you do when there is a structured injustice? And it does take a lot of work to begin to first be aware of what it is and then how to make the changes. No doubt about it. Now, I know that as time goes by, even the games themselves evolve a little bit. Um, as you look back uh, as a volleyball player, the game that you played, and I'm sure you keep in touch with what is happening in the volleyball world now, um, if you compare those two games as they were played, what do you think are the, some of the biggest differences? When I went into coaching, uh, the primary credentialing organization was the USVBA, uh, and they had three levels of coaches. And I went through those three coaching levels. 
And the way that we uh, conducted um, training practices was, was greatly different from what had been, especially in the high schools. The changes that I have seen over the years is that in the high schools, the coaches were also beginning to improve. And perhaps some of that is because they were athletes in college and so knew more about the sport. Uh, but I began to see the quality of high schools really uh, improving as the coaching uh, improved. And the kinds of things that I would do in my own uh, experience as an athlete in training and then what I did with my coaching uh, I began to see on the high school level. So uh, I, I can't say that I saw great differences except more consistency at the collegiate level. Um, the high school level changed drastically. I would also say the game of volleyball uh, for, for women and for men, uh, the physicality has changed when you have improved your skills about as far as you can, then the difference is the uh, physical makeup of the athletes. So bigger, stronger, faster, you know, more powerful um, has been, I think, the, the biggest change in athletics for men and for women. And the specialization, uh, you know, the availability of camps uh, in the summer. I was involved in camp. Uh, every summer when I was coaching. So the availability of camps, the improved quality at the high school level meant that there were better quality athletes coming into uh, the college programs, and that made a big difference. Well, it seems like all those are very positive forward uh, signs of progression, so that is a good thing. We're here with Lee Austin, class of 1977 and 2001 Hall of Fame inductee of Capital Volleyball. And so as you've taken us through a little bit of a history lesson on a grander scale, let's kind of dial it in on those teams that you played on, Lee. I mean, who were who were the teams to beat back then when you were playing? <laughs> well, as I said, when there was only one state tournament, uh, we played Everybody. I mean, we played, as I said, Ohio State. We played Dayton. We played Wright State. Um, and when we went large, small, Ohio State kind of dropped out of that. But we continued to play uh, Dayton, Wright State. But they were not always the, the best teams, at least in the beginning. Uh, the team that I remember in volleyball in particular was Mount St. Joseph out of Cincinnati, and they were the powerhouse. And they defeated Ohio State and Dayton and, and all these other teams as well. Uh, but then later, again, as, as we were really going large college, small college, uh, even before the NC2A went to Division III, um, we were playing uh, the best teams, I'd say, were Mount St. Joseph, Worcester, and Ashland. All right. Now, I have to ask, was the rivalry between Capital and Otterbein alive and well back then as well, or, or did they not have a team? How, how was that rivalry being fostered in your time? <laughs> well, it was, but I am proud to say that Capital was definitely a stronger team than Otterbein was, and so we won most of the time. Um, I won't say we were undefeated the entire um, 
four years in all the sports, but, uh, you know, capital, uh, you know, when you're in volleyball and basketball, if you have three strong athletes um, in, in one class, then that's going to make a big difference. And as I said, there were other strong athletes that had just happened to come to capital at the same time I did. And so we were very successful. Well, that makes my heart happy, and I'm sure many other Capitol fans' hearts happy as well. So what about you? I mean, you are a Hall of Famer after all, you know, and unfortunately our records just don't go back to the time that you played. So can you provide some insight um, on either your style or just, you know, certain things that you know that you did well that maybe got the attention of some of those voters? Okay. Uh, I think that my perspective, and this is just how I approach athletics anyways was I was kind of the coach on the floor I in volleyball was a setter primarily and I was in basketball a point guard so I was one who always wanted to understand and know the game and uh, tried to make sure that I worked with the coaches you know to to make sure that we were doing what we needed to do uh, so my mindset, I think, was was always in some ways sort of cerebral. But on the other hand, for myself personally, uh, I believe strongly in, in discipline and so trained very hard. I, I knew that if I was a step slower or maybe, you know, not quite as, as skilled, uh, I could make up for it by being in top physical condition. So I always emphasized uh, training and, and discipline. And uh, I would say also I was in team sports. And for me, that was very important. Uh, the, the teamwork and the, the working together was something I valued and is also something that I have always valued about sport, period. Um, so, you know, and I found that, and even as I was coaching, that uh, not only the conditioning, but uh, intensity and desire uh, can help you go a long way as well. So those were values that I had. I found that that with conditioning and with uh, effort and desire, uh, you had the great equalizer sometimes with folks that might have been slightly more talented or gifted. Now, you kind of made your way and made your name as a volleyball player. So first I'll ask, what was your favorite aspect of playing volleyball? Was it something about the game uh, that, you know, made you kind of draw toward that a little bit closer? <sighs> that's, that's a difficult question. I guess I wasn't aware or realizing that so much of, of my nomination had to do with volleyball. Um, but... I would say that, um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to say um, why, you know, that drew me more than others. I do know that I saw the differences between the different sports. I often compared volleyball to football. Uh, volleyball is a power game, and you play it in shorter segments. Um, you, you may call a play. And you may execute it and then you're either successful or you're not or you're not and you go back, you know, and serve or receive serve. So it it felt to me more like uh, football. And oddly enough, or maybe not oddly enough, I also took a coaching course in football 
from the current from that times you know head football so football is something that that was intriguing to me as well uh so i would say it's the the power it's the um short term i also discovered that i am actually a better volleyball coach than i was basketball coach because in volleyball you have to be a very good training coach you've got to be very good at what happens uh in practices and you have to help those uh athletes to be able to play the game because you have less influence on what happens when the game starts so as a coach if you want to win you've got to prepare your team to be able to go on the floor and play and that's a better style for me i'd rather be the teacher and then let them go out and play the game and we'll get to your coaching career here in just a second but you mentioned that you know you were a three sport athlete which is unheard of in today's world but you also played basketball and softball so can you give us kind of a, a really brief rundown as far as you know what you played in those uh, particular sports and maybe what your strengths were there well as i said i was a, a point guard in basketball um and was big enough that i could be fairly good in in all aspects i was actually a ferocious rebounder um because i would box out the biggest person you know and and make sure i got the ball um but i would say my strengths were i mean i was a, a decent offensive player i i probably was in double figures my entire career but i don't remember i was not the the highest scorer on the team um we did not really have the uh assist or those kinds of records i was like i said probably uh, pretty good in in rebounding uh but would not have had as much um and and assists as well i played with a very good um center and so working with her and getting her the ball so she could score was uh, my primary focus um in softball i was a shortstop uh was a good um hitter for average some power but not a lot i'm not huge uh and so i was mostly had a very good batting average probably close to leading the team most years um strong arm and and so was was pretty good at shortstop so you just like to be around the action all the time. That's kind of what it sounds like. I did. I, I have to admit, I wanted to play. <laughs> Excellent. We're talking with Lee Austin, class of uh, 1977, 2001 Hall of Fame inductee, triple sport athlete, as we are learning today. Uh, we want to kind of put a bow on it all. And, and as far as your time at Capitol, I mean, it wasn't done when you were done playing, you went on to coach. So tell us about that decision and what you coached and for how long. When I graduated in 77, um, there, as I said, one of the difficulties with, with women's athletics was we only had one person who was on faculty who did coaching and, and that was Lee Sadler. Uh, beyond that, there was always a high turnover. So I remember um, being approached uh, by Lee Sadler, I think, uh, to, to coach the softball team first, uh, because that's where I think probably the four years that I was there, we may have had four different coaches. 
So in the spring of 78, I began coaching uh, softball and coached in uh, 78, 79, and 80. At the same time, I was going to Ohio State to get my master's degree. So that seemed to, to work well. In the fall of 78, I think that's right, um, then I was approached about coaching volleyball. And first as an assistant to the person who had been the head coach when I played. And then after that, he just uh, stayed as head coach for one more year. And then I coached um, as the head coach after that. So that was the time that, that I was there. Uh, you'd asked about success. I can't give you all the details, but I will tell you that uh, in the state tournament, in 1980, my last year, we did come in second. Uh, we were kind of hoping to win, but but we came in second. And as far as volleyball was concerned, we we definitely you know had a a, a winning record um, and were competitive at tournaments. I just can't tell you. I, I don't have any outstanding memories of that uh, in terms of, of signature wins or anything like that. But but yes, we had you know winning records and and uh, um, some really quality athletes. Well, we're going to have to start updating those archives on our end so that we can go relive all these moments as far as the statistics and standings are concerned. But as far as memories that we can reflect back on, uh, you know, Capital, I'm sure, is very special to you as it is to most that we talk to on this program. What about Capital or what about your time there resonates with you the most as you look back? The caring of, of the faculty and staff, um, the, the people that I worked with in, in physical education, for example, uh, at that time it was Irene Sanders, uh, Irene Sanders DeVolt, uh, and Lee Sadler, both uh, were very helpful and, and uh, professionally, you know, and, and not just because I was an athlete. Uh, it was uh, Dr. DeVolt's influence that got me into sports science at the graduate level. And it was um, Lee Sadler's influence in terms of my interest in coaching and administration. Uh, but beyond that, there were other professors that, that helped me out. And I guess at, at Capitol, you were a person. Uh, you weren't a, a number. You weren't just a face in the crowd. Um, since I went to graduate school at Ohio State, I can tell you, I know what it is just to be a face in the crowd, and they have no clue who you are. But at Capitol, they know who you are, and they care about who you are. And I think there was also a caring that was comprehensive. So it was caring about you as a person, caring about you as an athlete, and caring about you as a student. So it was that nurturing environment that, that I was so grateful for. It seems to be a theme that we come across a lot here on the program as we talk to alums. And so, you know, you no doubt have had a full life of accomplishments and milestones. And, you know, I know that we could probably talk long about a lot of those, but can you name some of the, a few of those things that you've accomplished over your life uh, that you can share with us? <laughs> Well, I mentioned that, that I went into coaching. I went to Gannon University. 
uh, and coached there for six years, uh, all six years in volleyball. We began to see the specialization taking place. So with the recruiting that I was, was doing, even though I went originally and did coach volleyball, basketball, and softball, uh, I very quickly gave up the softball and, and coached volleyball and basketball. And then we built a recreation center. And so I felt I was being, you know, called to make a change. So I shifted and directed the recreation center and coached only volleyball. So that was, um, you know, a very satisfying, you know, time for me and my career there. But it was in my time that I was at Gannon that I felt the call to ministry. So it, I began uh, seminary after six years. So that was the fall of 1986. I would also say an interesting piece to this is that my approach to ministry is in many ways like what my approach to coaching was. First of all, the, the, the value of the individual people and their holistic development, you know, that people would grow in all ways, um, you know, spiritually as well as physically and emotionally, mentally, uh, relationally. So always trying, you know, to foster the development of the person, which goes directly into ministry. But also I, I look at my uh, way of coaching and my way of being a minister as being very similar. Uh, my, my goal is to help people uh, grow and to become more of the, the people that God has created them to be so that they can go out and play the game of life. I even in both my coaching time and then carried it over, took uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 12, and paraphrased it, the team. Uh, chapter 12 talks about the body of Christ having many members, and all are important. There is no superior or inferior member. And I took that and paraphrased it to fit what I call the team. And so the coach is no more important than the person who takes the statistics. And if you're the high scorer, that doesn't mean you are more important than the person who sits on the bench. So uh, that, that approach to uh, sport, to life, to life in the church as being something that we are supposed to be doing together. A fantastic parallel for sure. I, I'm kind of thinking that I would have really enjoyed having you as a coach, Lee. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I would have now, pushed you very hard, you though. <laughs> uh, you know what? You might have washed me out then. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, so what are you doing now? I'm, I'm certain that you're you're still involved in some way, shape, or form in ministry. So what are you doing and where are you doing that at? Well, I'm in Apollo, uh, Pennsylvania at uh, the Apollo United Presbyterian Church. I have, this summer will be my 30th year of ordination. I am turning 65, but my intent is not so much to retire from uh, ministry as I think it is time. I, you know, I was a coach and worked with, with young people. I worked with folks, you know, who were beginning to try and understand what life was all about. And it grieves my heart that that's, a, uh, an age that is absent from the church. 
And so what I really would like to do is find a way to reach out to young people and young adults um, and and find a way to just get a conversation going about about faith and uh, about Jesus Christ so that uh, I just want to be out among people coffee shop ministry, or I've even threatened that I would go into a bar and wear my collar and, and see if I could get a conversation going. Um, but I just would like to um, be able to help some of what's changing, I think, in the life of the church. Well, if, if you're looking for a, uh, a brand for that, you can call it Cocktail in the Covenant. Okay. Uh, I don't know if that's <laughs> correct, but... <laughs> However, it has to happen. It needs to happen. I like it. Yes. <laughs> uh, so, so last question here, Lee, you know, of all of the things that you've done and experienced, um, I'm sure it's hard to focus on just one, but can you give us and all young and prospective crusaders a piece of advice that has helped you throughout your life? Well, I think my first comment would be know that you are a beloved child of God and seek your, your bliss. You know, what have you been created to do? What are you passionate about and pursue it? As simple as it is, that seems like it's the best way to go. I, I you know, it's, uh, I hope everybody's listening out there because that's fantastic from someone that has been through a lot and has, uh, seen uh, a lot in, in a very um, diverse set of uh, environments. So, Lee, thank you so much for the time, for the knowledge, the history lessons, the memories, all of those things. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, thank you, Ryan. All right. We have been talking with Lee Austin, class of 1977, 2001 Hall of Fame inductee, triple sport athlete, at Kaplan University, and also a, uh, a minister in the Word of God out in the Pennsylvania area. So thank you so much, Lee. And we are going to keep on going forward in this edition of Capital Crusaders. Stay with us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Forward Capital Crusaders podcast. Special thanks to Lee Austin and head coach Lynn Winters of Women's Tennis for taking the time to talk with us. Before we head out, a few announcements. If you have a story idea or a lead for a future episode or some feedback of the show, hop on the Anchor app and leave us a message using the voice message feature. We'd love to hear from you. Our next episode will be on Tuesday, June 30th, when we bring in more Coach Insight and recap some big news coming out of the athletics department. Lastly, we ask that you please subscribe to the podcast and leave a rating if you like the show. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcast, and also on Apple Podcast. Thanks for joining us, and until next time, Cat Fam, let's keep moving forward. I'm Sports Information Director Ryan Gasser. Stay safe, everyone.